You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Muster Masterclass. Okay, so tonight's topic is a very important topic because I think that it was providential that this topic had pushed off a couple of weeks. Here we are tonight talking about the very important topic of love. Now, why do I think it's providential for it to be pushed off and for all of these things to happen? Because I don't think there's ever been a week where there's been more controversy, more hatred, more anger in the public square than this week due to current events. Now, I'm not one to profess about the rights and wrongs of any decision made by the Supreme Court, and I'm not going to even attempt to try to uh, break open that topic. That's not what we're here for. But I, what I do want to talk about is what I think is the most important trait we can talk about in all of Musar study, because it doesn't only involve the people around us. It doesn't only involve the almighty creator of heaven and earth. It involves ourselves. Me, me, the, the me within me. And that's something that I think we need to examine. So there is a phrase that was used about the Jewish people standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. And that phrase was, Vayichan Shom Yisrael Neged Ha'ar. And the Jewish people camped around the mountain. They camped around the mountain. So our sages tell us that there are a lot of amazing things that happened at Mount Sinai. One of the incredible things that happened was that you had 600,000 different men between the age of 20 and 60. And every single individual, and if you multiply that for the women, and you multiply with the children, adding the children and the elders above the age of 60, you're talking about over 3 million people. And what the Talmud and the, and the Midrash explain is that every single person had their own perspective. Every person saw things differently. You think that you heard the same words I did? Guess what? You didn't. You heard different words than I heard. I heard. Everybody understood things differently. Everyone has a different perspective, and it's perfectly fine. It's okay for everyone to have their own perspective. You look at the Talmud, you look at the Mishnah, and there are varying opinions on every single word. I was just learning with my children uh, Mishnah. Every day we're trying to learn Mishnah over the summer, and it's amazing. Not a single Mishnah is without dispute. Every Mishnah has an argument. Every Mishnah has multiple opinions. Why? Why is it so important for the Mishnah? Why don't we just just give me the bottom line, tell me what to do, and that's it? Because there's something that the Torah is trying to introduce us to on every page. No matter where you join in the learning and study of Torah, you'll always learn this message, and that is the important mitzvah in Leviticus, you should love your fellow like yourself. You have an opinion? Your opinion is valuable to you. Guess what? 
Your friend has an opinion, and it's also valuable to you. Even their wrong opinion in your perspective. Even their wrong opinion is important to us, which is why it's mentioned in the Mishnah, and it's mentioned in the Talmud. And all of those disagreements are all part of the lesson. We all have differences. Every husband and wife, every person you've ever met on planet Earth, even your parents and you, you and your children, you and your siblings, are all different. Even if you like the same type of music and you have the same type of memories and the same type of history and your twins... I keep on asking twins whenever I meet a set of twins... I said, do you like the same colors? No. Do you like the same music? No. Do you like the same sports? No. Everything is different. Even the twins who are the closest of any two human beings are the furthest you can possibly imagine. Why? Because every single human being is unique. We are all unique. We are all special. And we all have something to contribute. As such, I think this is a perfect introduction to love. Love. What is love? You know, the second day of creation, every day of creation, when God created the heaven and earth in the beginning of Genesis, every day is concluded with Vayar Elohim Kitov, and God saw that it was good, except for the second day. Our sages tell us, you know why? Because one is wholesome. Two means separation. Two means different, separating, conflicting. It's two. I like to say this idea under the chuppah. When I speak to a, a bride and groom, I say, here you are under your chuppah, and I'm telling you that two is separation. Two means God doesn't attribute kitov to it. He doesn't say, and God saw that it was good to two, because he doesn't like to. Because the job of a marriage is not to remain two. The job of a marriage is to become one. Heaven forbid, if a couple gets married and remains two. No, you missed it. You need to become one. That's Vayar Lakim Kitov. That, God says, ah, you got it. That is the goodness that God is looking for. Become one. So that's in marriage. How does that manifest in a typical friendship? Or a stranger. You see someone out in the road. We can cast judgment. Ah, oh, look at them. Look, look at that. It's very easy to cast judgment on other people without even knowing who they are. But if we realize that every human being is unique, and every human being is special, and every human being has something that is delightful, there's no human being on planet Earth that there was ever a double of. Every single person coming into this world comes in with a uniqueness, a something special, that nobody else can parallel. You have, to, you have to remember this, my dear friends online. Realize, each and every one of us is the only me there will ever be on planet Earth. There could be people called the same name, 
but that doesn't make them the same person. We're the only person gifted in this world with the tools that we have. So I went online today and I said, I want to search what Google has to say about love. Very bad place to go. So I believe it was Webster that said, an intense feeling of deep affection. That's what love is. Then I went, I said, give me, I want to refine that search even more to the best definition of love. Not just definition of love. The best definition of love. And then I realized that don't take any definition from Google. It said the following. Extreme feelings of attachment, affection, and need. And this is against every principle of Judaism. Attachment, okay, extreme feelings of attachment, affection, and need. So let's take the word ahava. The word ahava, now since I was in grade school, I heard the same thing from every teacher. Ahava comes from the root word of have, which means to give. Love doesn't come from a need, that you need something, but rather that you give something. It's not something that you lack. It's something that you desire to continue to shower over to to another. That's what love is. The more you give, the more you love. Our sages go on and on about this. When they talk about marriage, they talk about being selflessly giving all day, every day of your marriage. The more you give, the more you will love. That's the foundation of love. Not that I have a need, an extreme feeling, and need. I need something. I need to give. That's what I need. I need to see the virtue in another person. So let's begin like this. There are several different commandments to love. There's a commandment to love God. There's a commandment to love your neighbor. There's a commandment to love the stranger. So each one works on a different channel. When you love God, you you love the supernatural. You love something which is beyond your comprehension, which is beyond our ability to comprehend God. What is God? I don't know. But I know that he's here living in my life every single moment, showering me with goodness. One can never have a clear enough definition of the Almighty. Every time we pray, that definition gets clearer and clearer and clearer. Every time we learn Torah, it gets clearer and clearer. Because what is the Torah? The Torah is God's manual. You want to understand God, learn his manual. Learn his wisdom. And the more you understand his wisdom, the more you understand God. And we're still billions of miles away from understanding God. But there's a commandment to love God. I did a lot of research trying to figure out, how does one love God? 
and I found something fantastic. The first thing you need to love God is to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you cannot love anything outside of you. A person needs to invest, every single person needs to invest in loving themselves. Now, we have this naturally. Naturally, we love ourselves. Naturally, each and every one of us are very, very close to ourselves. Now, we can corrupt that natural love. We can find ways, sadly, in our world, it's, it's becoming frighteningly more common for people to not love themselves. And it's not a good thing. Imagine if everyone said a kind word to every person they met. Imagine that. Yeah, but they're not from they're not my culture. They're rooting for the wrong team. Right? They root for the for my for the for the opposing team. They're not a, an Astros fan, they're a Yankee fan. How can I like them? They don't dress like I dress. They don't like the musicians and the singers that I like. The style of music, the type of vacations. They don't like we don't have anything in common. You know, many years ago, I had a friend of mine who, I wouldn't say a friend, I would say an acquaintance. He did some things over a course of time that made me absolutely despise him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like disliking people. It's not in my uh, playing cards. I don't like that. It's not a good feeling. But it really bothered me even more so. How can I not love a fellow Jew. There's a mitzvah to love every person. How can you how can you have a hatred towards another person? It really bothered me. So I decided I was going to embark on a mission and I was going to teach a multi-week series on loving every Jew. And this would be the springboard through which I would find the way to love this individual. One of the things that I found was exactly this point. Everyone has something virtuous. Identify it and appreciate it. If you're able to recognize that they have something special, you know what, maybe they have a beautiful voice. Yeah, but I hate the guy. So (laughs) recognize that they have something special. Recognize that they have something special. And the more you're able to appreciate that, the more the love will grow towards them. Now imagine if we did that for ourselves. Imagine if we realized the goodness that we have. I've been giving these Musr classes for the past 14 years. And I cannot even tell you how many people have come to me saying, Rabbi, I know I have the flaws you spoke about, but I don't think I have any of the virtues you spoke about. People are very self-critical. People are hard on themselves. They're, they're, they're tough with finding their own virtues. And that's not a good thing. Because it's destructive, we all have to see how good we are. 
We have to see that we start off our day with an incredible word of encouragement from the Almighty. Right? We say our, in our first prayer, we say every day, I thank you, my living God, that you restored within me, Nishmati, with grace, you restored my soul within me. Rabbi Munatecha is translated, you believe in me. Great is your belief in me, God. God believes in us. He thought that you need this day because you can accomplish great things. So God gave us another day. Me, what do I have to offer? I have nothing to offer. Well, God doesn't think that way. He thinks you do have what to offer, which is why he invested all of his incredible resources into you so that you can accomplish something great today. God believes in us. But do we believe in ourselves? Do we believe that we are capable of being what God thinks of us? So we have to start reaffirming the things that we do that are right. You do something good. Give yourself a pat on the back. You see, I do have goodness. I am kind. It reminds me of a story of a, a school teacher who had a very, very difficult student. And the student caused terrible trouble in the class. The teacher takes the, the child, sends him to the principal's office. This is a true story, by the way. Child goes to the, the principal's office and the principal puts him in the parallel class. A few weeks later, that teacher has had it. Takes the student, sends him back to the principal's office, says, not in my class, I can't have him anymore. Sends him to another parallel class until there were no more parallel classes to go to. And here, the student is now sitting in the principal's office. He's been thrown out of all of the classes. Nobody can handle this troublemaker. The principal says to the student, I want to know something that you're really good at. Me? Nothing. I'm not good at anything. He says, come on, there has to be something that you can, that you dominate in. That you're great at. Thinking, he says, you know, I have one thing. He says, I'm the fastest in my entire class at climbing trees. He says, wow, that's incredible. He says, let's, let's write that down. He wrote it down. And they spent a long period of time identifying 10 things that this child excelled in. And it was a matter of minutes till this student was back in a classroom behaving just as well as everyone else. What happened? He didn't see any good in himself. So he had to overcompensate for that. He compensated in a negative way. The minute you gave him something positive to see in himself, he didn't need to display the negative. This is the challenge of our world, is that people don't love themselves enough. 
So if we don't love ourselves enough, how can we love others? How can we have room in our own heart for other people if there's no room for ourselves? The first thing we need to realize is that God thinks the world of us. Hmm. God thinks a lot of me. Maybe I am something. Maybe not like someone else. Maybe not like my neighbor's kids. But maybe God wants something special for me. You know, recently in our 48 Ways series, we talked about six different loves. And only now, when I was reviewing them in preparation for this class, I realized something spectacular. The first is ahuv, to be loved. So we translated it in that class, to be loved by others. But I realized that was a mistake, to be loved by yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't go on to the next step, which is, which is ohevet hamakom, loving the Almighty. Ahuv, love yourself. Be in love with yourself. Then, ahovet hamakom, love God. Love your Creator. Then, ohevet abriot, love God's creations, humanity. Then, Love righteousness. Be selfless. Then is Ohevet Sharim. Do the right thing, even if it's unpopular. You build yourself even stronger. And then you're so strong where you love the criticism. Where you now want to take yourself to a whole new level. So if you read it as just each one of those six ways... It's building blocks to attaining true love in this world. Number one starts with me loving myself. How do we love ourselves? Understanding your potential. What your capabilities are. You know, it's an amazing thing we see that it says regarding Isaac and Rebecca, they had two very different styles of the children they loved. Rebecca loved Jacob, but Isaac loved Asaph. What's there to love in this guy? This guy's a murderer. What's there to love in him? Well, our sages teach us that Isaac saw potential. That's the definition of love. He loved the potential that came from Asaph what he was capable of. Now, what he actually produced, he wasn't able to see the negative in his own son. He wasn't delusional, but a true lover only sees the virtues. You see, if two people have the same flaw, how is it possible that you can love one of them and not love the other? Now, everyone is, who's been in a committed relationship of marriage knows that there are some things that you love about your soulmate and some things you may not love. Some things that you love and some things you may not love. 
So how do you come to love someone when they do something or they have a certain attribute, they have a certain trait that you dislike? You know why? Because you choose not to pay attention, not to focus on those negative things. When a person realizes that every person around them including themselves, has good things, has bad things. We need to choose to see the positive, both in ourselves and in the people around us. If you choose to see the positive things, the negative things won't bother you. Love your Creator. Realize the, potent, the opportunity that God has given us. He's given us every opportunity. The more you realize how much you've been bestowed with kindness, by the Almighty, how much God has bestowed goodness onto us. It's one of the methods of finding love, for expressing that love. Now, we have to understand that God doesn't need anything from us. In fact, there's nothing that you can possibly do for the Almighty. Nothing. God doesn't need our prayers. He doesn't need our mitzvahs either. God doesn't need anything. God is perfect. What does perfect mean? Perfect means that there's nothing that I don't have that I that that can possibly fill me. Someone who's perfectly happy, there's nothing that he doesn't have that he desires. The Almighty doesn't need anything from us. Will God be upset if I don't say a blessing? No. Will God be upset if you don't pray in a synagogue or if you skip? Or, well, God, God won't be upset. You are missing out on the opportunity to connect to the Almighty. It's we who are a mitzvah is an opportunity to connect to the Almighty. And that love gets closer and closer by every mitzvah that we do. But every mitzvah that we perform, we bring ourselves closer with the Almighty. Every sin, God forbid, that one word to do distances us from the Almighty. So let's not think for a second that there's something that we can provide to the Almighty with that love. But rather, it is to feel that connection. When you love something, when you love somebody, you feel a deep connection. And the more we're able to feel that love for the Almighty, the more we'll feel the Almighty's love for us. How do we love others? By seeing their virtues. You see their potential. You see their virtues. Now, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. You don't have to agree with their political opinions. And this is what, what I wanted to get to regarding current events. It's fine for you to have friends who don't agree with you politically. It's fine for you to have friends who think that you think that they think, you know how this is going, it's, it's, gotten, it's gotten so out of control. And we're living in a very polarized world, where it's either all the way on the right, you're all the way on the left, there's nothing in between anymore. You know what, you can still, you don't have to lose your friends, and you don't have to lose your family, and they don't have to think like you, and they don't have to vote like you, because you know what, they do have virtue, even your opponent 
the person you're, you, you'll, you'll argue against in court, even the opinion that you'll argue in the Talmud and the Mishnah. But do you know what the Talmud says about those arguments? They disagree, but they're still both the word of God. The people who you think are crazy are also the creations of God. They also have godliness. They also have holiness. They also have purity. And they're also loving human beings. And you know what? And they don't agree with you. And you don't agree with them. It doesn't make a difference. I've heard from so many people this week that they said they lost friends. They lost all of their, oh, I can't, I can't go with these people anymore because these people have this politics and I can't talk to those people anymore because, and I lost all my friends and people are feeling more and more isolated. Terrible thing. It's terrible destruction. Right over here, we can change the world. Find those people who are different than you and get together and talk and find the things that you do agree about. Find the things that you love in them and that relationship will grow and be very fruitful. The biggest mistake in love is being the recipient. The giver is the lover. The more one gives, the more one loves. I, we mentioned this. I don't know when we spoke about this, but I think it was two weeks ago when we spoke about order, uh, which, by the way, I want to thank all of you because it helped me tremendously. I've been able to take some time since the last class we had and talked about order and really stop the day-to-day running, you know, running and running and running and running. And start putting together a perspective, uh, prioritizing, organizing life. And it's been very, very uh, gratifying and it's been extremely beneficial. So I want to thank everyone because without this tremendous class of people, of, you know, of the interest that you have, I may not have uh, had this inspiration. So thank you. But I started saying about the giver is the lover. The more you give, the more you love. All too common that we hear that Hollywood, okay, Hollywood is a perfect example. If the if the engagement or the marriage lasts more than three weeks or three months, it's like, wow, what took so long? Uh, and if it's more than three years, it's it, it's a miracle. Why is it so that people have such a difficult time with marriage? And I think it's because we are primed for failure because everything we see in our media is about what's in it for me. The ketubah only speaks about the man's obligation to the wife. Nowhere in the entire ketubah is about the wife's obligation to her husband. It's a phenomenal thing. There's no commitment of the wife and her responsibilities to her husband, only the responsibilities of the man to the woman. You know why? It's an amazing, it's an amazing miracle. Hashem created men and women differently, like uniquely different. And if men 
have the opportunity to be takers, they will. Women naturally are givers. Women naturally are givers. So, Hashem built it into the relationship that if the man is the giver, the relationship will be fruitful. She doesn't need to sign a document. She is committed before you even start it. And if you provide her what the Torah recommends you do, you'll have a very happy life. As my rabbi would say, a woman needs three things. Triple A. Attention, affection, appreciation. We've mentioned that there's a fourth A that can always be thrown in. That's American Express. Attention, affection, appreciation. And the marriages, yeah, are there sometimes issues? Yes, of course. We're human beings. We're living beings. But love is when you put aside the things you dislike and prefer to focus on the things that you do like. You prefer to focus on the virtue. And the more you give, the greater that love will grow. Suddenly you won't be able to see. You won't be able to see any negative. I'll give you an example. Did anybody ever criticize one of your children? Uh, 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 Uh-uh-uh-uh. You don't criticize my children. Why? Because the love we have for our children is so great, we can't see their flaws. It's like you've blown that bubble up so much, there's nothing else you can see except for that love. Almost to a flaw. Sometimes parents just can't see any negative in their children. But that's the way it should be about every human being. But do you know the difference? Think of how much you give your children, think of how much you give to others. The more you give, the more you love. You give your children, and you give your children, and you give your children. That's why that love is so great. And if one doesn't, then that love could be diminished. So we mentioned love of Hashem lacks any giving, but recognition and contemplating Hashem and His kindness. Because the love for Hashem is something you need to feel. You can't give Hashem anything. If the more you give, the more you love, then how can you love God? There's nothing you can give Him. But you can stop and think, and you can contemplate the goodness that He has bestowed upon you, and you can feel it in your bones. A rabbi once came to visit town here in Houston, and he said an amazing idea. He said the entire purpose of the entire world after Adam and Eve is one thing. Say thank you to Hashem. Say thank you to Hashem. It's like, what do you mean say thank you to Hashem? There's so many things that we need to do. He said, think about prayer. We ask for things. He said, yeah, but if you just use prayer to ask, you're missing the boat. How much did you thank Hashem in prayer? How much did you say, Hashem, I love you, thank you, thank you, thank you? That's a different relationship. And you can ask whatever you want, but first say thank you. Thank you for giving me wisdom. Now ask for more wisdom. Thank you for giving me health. Now you can ask for more health. Thank you for giving me livelihood. Now you can ask for more livelihood. 
and each one of the requests that we ask for. Give praise and thanks. Acknowledging it. We love ourselves tremendously. And not only we love ourselves tremendously, we will defend our wrongdoing because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. We will justify the things that we do. Are we willing to do that for our fellow? Kamocha, the commandment says, love your fellow like yourself. We already established you have to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone else. Love yourself. Love the Almighty. Now it's hard work to love your fellow like yourself. But like yourself is a very high bar because we're very in tuned to our needs, to our wants, to our feelings, to our emotions. Are we willing to be as sensitive, as caring, and as loving to someone else's needs, whatever they may be? In Proverbs, it says, Evilim yalitz chova. A nobody only finds flaws in others. King Solomon is teaching us that because one has no accomplishments of their own and only get a sense of growth by knocking others down is why we don't see the positive in others. Someone who's elevated, someone who has accomplished has room for everybody. Come, come join me. Come along. And they can say nice things. Someone who can only criticize others, who doesn't see the virtue, only finds flaws, it's because they're not elevated enough. Rabbi Saul Salanta once saw two children fighting. And he said, the children must learn to be important by climbing and not by knocking the other down. You want to feel important? Knocking the other guy down to the floor won't make you feel good. Raise yourself up. That'll make you feel good. So I want to share with you, we mentioned at the beginning of the class, that the Jewish people stood around the mountain. And we said that the word Vayichan means to camp. Our sages tell us it's a completely different idea. And that is, Vayichan comes from the word Chain. They found favor. They saw the charm in another person. When the Jews find favor in one another, then they are ki'ish echad belevechad. Then they are one nation, one soul. You know why? Because they see the virtue in one another. They become strong. They become solid. There is nothing. You know, you can break one piece of straw, two pieces of straw, three pieces of straw. But if you take a hundred pieces of straw, it's going to be very hard to break them. One is so easy, it just cracks, nothing. A hundred together. When we unite, when we are able to see the virtue of one another, we're unbreakable. I remember the greatest day in American history. The greatest day in American history. It was New York City, September 12th, 2001. I saw the kindest America. I saw the most gentle New York City. It was breathtaking. I couldn't believe that the Twin Towers weren't there anymore. I was in South Jersey in Yeshiva. I said, I don't believe that they're not there. I can't, I can't believe it. 
It's what I grew up my entire life. We were looking up and looking, whoa, all the way up. You can't even see the top. These monster towers are gone. I couldn't believe it. I got in my car and I drove up. I drove to New York City. I said, I need to see this with my own eyes. But you know what I saw? I saw the kindest New York City I've ever seen in my life. You know, New York City is very aggressive. The drivers are a little bit uh, on edge, to say the least. Everyone was letting, no, go go ahead. No, 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 you go, go ahead. What happened? What happened that suddenly what was the most chaos of a city became the kindest, most gentlest of a city? And I think it was because of one single trait. Everyone became a giver overnight. They had to give confidence to their family. They they had to volunteer. They gave blood. They gave water to people who were thirsty. They gave assistance. Suddenly they were introduced to a completely new person. They became givers. It was a completely different experience. And it wasn't only September 12th. It was the 13th and the 14th and the 15th. And it stayed for a while where there was a certain spirit of unity. Everyone was giving to everyone. Nobody said, "Uh, you're a Democrat, Republican? Uh, You're independent? You're pro uh, Roe v. Wade? You're anti Roe v. Wade? You're this, you're that? Nobody cared. Everyone was giving. So you know what happened? Everyone's hearts opened up. And everyone was able to accept others. Everyone was able to tolerate differences. Everything was brushed aside, only from becoming a giver. The Chavos HaVovos, the duties of our heart, the great writing of Rabbeinu Bachia, says an amazing parable. He says there was once a rabbi walking with his students and in the forest, and they were studying Torah, and they came across the carcass of a donkey. And the student said, oh, it smells terribly. But the Chacham, the wise man, the rabbi, says, look how white his teeth are. The teeth may have even been hiding, but he searched for something good. We have to look for something good. We have to search for something good. Every human being wants to be respected. Every human being wants wants to be acknowledged. We, each and every one of us, have the ability to do that for another person. See what it is that they are great at and let them shine. You know, with my children, one of the things I try to do is when they do a good job, I'm going to make a big deal about it. Whatever it is. They set the table, they took out the garbage, they whatever whatever house chore they do, and they do a nice job, they cleaned up the playroom, they vacuumed up. I make a big deal about it. And the next time I need that job done, I'll say, no, 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 no. I need the pro at cleaning the playroom. What changed? From can you clean the playroom? I asked you 50 times to clean the playroom, to Now, I need the playroom master to clean the playroom because they're recognized for something. You see my greatness. 
You see something special in me. It's not only a tool of manipulation. That's not, that's a side thing. <laughs> it's about every person feeling great about something. Employers need to learn this. If every employer was able to compliment the talents of their workforce, people would be very happy, even if it's just an acknowledgement. I learned this the hard way. I was like, nobody pats me on the back. I didn't even think of it as a responsibility that I need to do for others. But then people are frustrated and upset and like, what? what's going on? What? Yes, you need to nurture that relationship constantly. And people need to feel that they're appreciated. It says, the Ahavta L'Reacha Kamocha, our sages bring down, that verse from the Torah, that you should love your fellow like yourself, Zeklal Gadol Batorah. This is a fundamental teaching of the Torah. It doesn't say that about a lot of things. But about loving your fellow like yourself, it's a klal gadol Torah. It is a very big, fundamental teaching of the Torah. You know why? Because everything is dependent on that. It's one of those fundamental traits, one of those fundamental aspects of our day-to-day lives, that everything is dependent on it. When people feel acknowledged, when people feel loved, when people feel appreciated, there's energy. There's goodness. If we're only criticizing our children, it'll be very difficult for them to be happy. I spoke to a friend of mine, a very difficult childhood. And he said, there's nothing I could ever have done that would have been good in the eyes of my father. And he went on to share with me his opinion on his father, sadly. There's nothing that he could do that in his father's eyes would be good. That's tragic. That a child would grow up never getting that feeling of satisfaction that my father believes in me. My father thinks that I'm great. Even my father thinks that I'm the best at cleaning the playroom. It gives the child a value. I'm worth something. I'm great at something. It builds. Love is so powerful. It's so much more than the world makes it. The world has neutered the word love. Love isn't a satisfaction of physical pleasures. Love isn't instantaneous. You don't fall in love. Love is hard work. Love is giving attention, affection, appreciation. Love is building endlessly into a relationship. Love is choosing to see the virtue over the flaws. And the world makes it, oh, they just fell in love. (laughs) Mazel tov. They just fell in love. You don't fall in love. Love needs to be intentional. Love is a key component for success in our lives. In fact, loving one another is the prerequisite to learning Torah. It's the prerequisite for all of the mitzvahs that have to do between us and our fellow man. And through the love 
that we display for our fellow man, for another human being. You know, it's an amazing thing. We have a mitzvah to love the stranger. He's not, he's not part of my family. He's not from my community. He's not from my country. Love the stranger. You know why? I sent him to you. The Almighty sends him to you. In the introduction to Parsha's key Tavo, I believe it is, in Deuteronomy, one of the commentaries in his introduction to the portion says, and just know that when you give charity, you're not giving charity to the individual who's asking you. It's God that is asking you, masquerading as that individual. God wants to see how kind you'll be with them, how loving, how patient, not how generous. That's, that's, that's a side point. How much do you care about another human being? And when you give money, he says, you're giving it to God. God wants to see how you give it, not what you give. With love, with kindness, with compassion, with caring. I had a guy last week who knocked on my door. I don't even know where he was from. He's from someplace in Israel, some one of these little cities in Israel. He's collecting for you know for a school and he's collecting for, for a shul and he's collecting for a bunch of different organizations in his town. So I asked him, I said, I said, before you jump into your pitch, I said, I said, can I give you something to eat? Can I give you something to drink? Can I give do you want to sit down for a minute? It's hot. It's 103 degrees, he said, right? 103 degrees. Come inside. He says, I'll tell you. I've never seen a community like this. He says, every house I go to, everyone offers me to eat. Everyone offers me to drink. And everybody offers me to come inside. And and, and he says, sadly, I have to run. I have a plane tomorrow. I got to raise money. I got to raise funds for this organization. And I, I don't have time. But he says, you should be proud that you have such an incredible community. And you know what? I hope that the Almighty is proud because that's what He commands us in His Torah. Don't just take the money, throw it at them and say, hey, just don't bother me. Go, 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 go. No, it's a human being. It's a representative of the Almighty who's coming to see your kindness, your love. Don't just give. Give with the heart. We need to begin the positive cycle of love. Finding the virtue in every human being. You see someone, say something nice to them. You don't have to know them. Remember when I was 15, I was 15, we were learning this topic in yeshiva. We were working on it. So one of the things that I had taken upon myself is that every person I see walking at night, when I was walking from yeshiva back home, I'd say, good evening. Be friendly. Good evening. Hey, how are you? So I was a little traumatized when one guy's like, do I know you? Do I, so why are you saying good evening to me? Like, it was like, <laughs> just being nice. Just trying to be nice. Let's begin that positive cycle of love. Loving every person that you see. Open up your heart to other people. But of course, we have to be comfortable with ourselves. So, Hashem should bless us all that we should be able to find the love for others 
by finding the love for ourselves and being able to demonstrate the proper love for the Almighty. Amen. I'll share with you one other, one more story. I just saw this yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to internalize this. I saw a video about a rabbi that I heard tremendous things about this rabbi. He passed away a year or two ago. His name was Rabbi Trank, Rabbi David Trank. And they interviewed his wife after he passed away. And she said he couldn't help himself. He was only able to see the positive in other people. He couldn't help himself. He said kids would come there believing that they're the most rotten thing on earth. But he only saw the good. He was only able... And the book they wrote about him, the book is titled, Just Love Them. Just love them. That was his thing. Just love them. Just love them. If you just love them, you'll only see the good. And that, and his students, all every one of his students, of which of whom I know many, they say that they all felt the love that he had for them made them believe in themselves. One person, one person saying, imagine if everybody did that. He couldn't help but see the positive. All right. Any any other questions there? Right. Uh, we, can, we can love ourselves in a selfish way, where it's me, I have to take care of me. I want to share with you a story. Uh, this is one of my pet peeves, so I'm happy this is not being recorded. Okay. Kiddush in shul is one of the things that gets me crazy. Now, if you've been to a shul that has a kiddush after, it looks like these Jews have never eaten in their lives. <laughs> Gunning at that food like they haven't, right? So I, for many, many, many decades, this has been my pet peeve. My children know this. I don't touch the food. I don't touch a plate till after the rabbi recites the Kiddush. Nothing. I don't touch it. Why? Let other people. Let everyone go. Go right ahead. Go, go. Everyone eat. Eat, enjoy. No, no, you... And the rabbi didn't even say Kiddush yet. It's not, not like anyone's eating. But people, like, they, they have their plate in it. They have their mountains of food already all prepared. And, you know, it's like strategizing how they're... Okay. One Shabbos, I saw one of my sons at Shul. And he knows, my children know this. They, they wouldn't be, you know... Either way. So I, I see him at the end of the Kiddush table. And everyone's familiar with babka, chocolate babka. My son is standing there in front of a tray of babka, and he's hoping that there'll be a piece left, you know, when the rabbi already recites the Kiddush. But he knows that his father would be very upset if he took before Kiddush. We don't touch it. We don't touch it. There's no need to rush. So he doesn't see that I see him. He has no idea that I see it. But I see that struggle. I see it in his eyes. Like, and he's looking at it. And, and But he can't because the rabbi hasn't yet walked into the kiddush room. And it's like he, you see the struggle that he's having. And slowly one person walks and takes a piece and another person walks and takes a piece. And another person walks and takes a piece. And now there are like four four pieces left. And the rabbi finally walks into the room and now another piece is taken. There's only three pieces left. And the rabbi finally sits down. And there was another piece taken, two pieces left. And you can see his like eyes are like getting... Getting sadder and sadder. And the rabbi lifts up his cup to say the Bore Prihagafen, 
and one piece is taken, and the rabbi is like finally singing the tune, Bore Pri and that last piece was taken, Hagafen, and there's an empty plate, and I'm, I'm looking with all the pride in my world at my son, at how he was able to overcome that challenge. He didn't know that I saw it. We get home. Let's see, he found something else to eat. I'm sure he found some crackers and, you know, whatever, but not babka. So we get home. We had a big Shabbos uh, lunch table set up. A lot of people coming over. And as I'm about to begin the Kiddush, I said, I want everyone to sit down for a second. I want to tell you a story about greatness. Absolute greatness. This is what real greatness is about. Someone who was able to overcome. And this, he was eight years old, nine years old. It wasn't like he was a, a grown adult and he has a, he, this was a big challenge. And I announced over there that we have someone who's really great in our presence. And I said over the story and everyone gave him, of course, a huge round of applause. And I said, but stop. I said, I want you to know something. You'll never lose out by doing the right thing. I said, Sunday morning, you're going to come with me. And we're going to go to the store, and I'm going to buy you an entire babka. And I did. I took him to the store, and I bought him his own entire babka. And then I asked him, how was it? He says, I ended up giving it to all my friends. We can all find greatness within us. Even an eight-year-old child doesn't know that he has it. But that one story of this specific son I see it now in so many different areas because he felt so good doing the right thing and being to, able to overcome that now he's lo- he looks for an opportunity to overcome. And whether it means overcoming his own comfort and doing something for someone else or doing something which is, you know, challenging, he's willing to put himself into that challenge. But I think that if we if we properly love our children, hopefully. I, 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 I'm telling you, this is my number one fear, my one, number one prayer. I want every one of my children to know how much they're loved. I want them to know how much they're appreciated. I want them to know how great they are because there's nothing more empowering to another human being than knowing and feeling that they're loved. I remember I was once at someone's house. I was once at someone's house and they said to one of their children when they were going to bed, they said, you are loved. So I asked them after, I said, if you don't mind, it's none of my business. You can raise your children however you want, but can you just explain to them? I'm just trying to understand. Why don't you say, I love you? It's so much more powerful than you are loved. Right? By, by someone. Yes, we're all loved by the Almighty. I love you. Me, your mother, your father. It's so much greater, so much more valuable. It means so much to the child. So my dear friends, let's go. Let's love. Let's bring love to this world. Elevate people. Make people feel great. Make them feel valuable. The more we do that, the more enriched they will feel and the more enriched we'll become from that. My dear friends, thank you so much for joining me. This is incredible. I, I appreciate it so much. And I look forward next week, God willing, another class. Uh, any questions? Any questions, you can always email me. Uh, awalbeatorchweb.org You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. 
To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.